Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Point three FM. I'm Jessica Ettinger, CNBC. Wall Street pointing to some morning gains, and the markets could snap a three-week losing streak today. Some investors are wondering if stocks have bottomed or if it's just been a bear market rally this week. Gas prices are down again this morning, solidly below the $5 a gallon mark. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular now $4.92. U.S. crude oil has fallen 9% since the end of May. Traders believe that as the Fed raises interest rates to slow the economy, the possibility of recession increases. And that would mean less demand for oil because if people start losing their jobs, they're not going to be driving to work. Other commodities are down from their highs right now. Lumber and steel, each down 30% from the same time last year. FedEx shares lower this morning on mixed quarterly results. It faced a slide in shipment volume in the last quarter, coupled with higher fuel prices. Jessica Ettinger, CNBC. When the forgotten poor are in need of healing, they wait for a ship unlike any other. Mercy Ships, a floating hospital staffed by volunteers, heroes of mercy who donate their time to save lives. Every human has the right to have a place at the table of the human race. If you could just see the smiles that you get when lives have been changed, then it would make it all worth it. To learn more about Heroes of Mercy, go to mercyships.org. Uh, hey, Dad? Cool if I change this? They may not get each other's music, but they can both get a COVID-19 booster shot. Because the CDC recommends booster shots for people 12 years and older after completion of a primary series. Schedule an appointment as soon as you are eligible. Sponsored by BioNTech and Pfizer. Hi, I'm Mark Westwood. It's June 24th, 2022, and I want to wish you all a happy half Christmas and me a happy birthday and also happy 25th birthday to KCAA, 1050 AM, Loma Linda, 25 years old today. You're listening to The Rick Smith Show on KCAA. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, Teamsters 1932, a strong union with 14,000 members in the IE. Go to Teamsters1932.org for more information. 
Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege. It's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino, by visiting Teamsters1932.com org backslash organize to start today. Are you underpaid and overworked? Is a living wage and employee benefits like affordable health care more of a dream than a reality for you and your family? If so, it's time to form a union. Don't be denied the wages and benefits you deserve. Come together in a union with the power of numbers. A union is not a privilege. It's your right, and it will make a difference. Contact Teamsters Local 1932, a powerful and successful labor union in San Bernardino, by visiting Teamsters1932.org backslash organize to start today. Located in the heart of San Bernardino, California, the Teamsters Local 1932 Training Center is designed to train workers for high-demand, good-paying jobs in various industries throughout the Inland Empire. If you want a pathway to a high-paying job and the respect that comes with a union contract, visit 1932trainingcenter.org to enroll today. That's 1932trainingcenter.org. Are you looking for a good union job? The Inland Empire's 14,000 member strong Teamsters Local 1932 has opened a training center to get working people trained and placed in open positions in public service clerical work and in jobs in the logistics industry. This is a new opportunity to advance your career and raise standards across the region. Visit 1932trainingcenter.org to enroll today. That's 1932trainingcenter.org. Are you graduating high school soon and wondering what to do next? College is one option, but why not consider the high-paying jobs made possible by union power? Labor Union Teamsters Local 1932 is open to training center to get you into the high school to high-paying job pipeline. You'll learn all the skills needed to excel in opportunities across industries. Visit 1932trainingcenter.org to enroll today. That's 1932trainingcenter.org. Welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. Another day, another hearing, more of the, well, testimony that's going to... Let me start right from the beginning. Uh, I said at the start, no one was going to be held accountable for January 6th. No one of any uh, any consequence. It's my belief that we we don't hold our elites uh, accountable. But I um, I don't say this often, and my wife will attest to this. I don't I don't do this often. I might be wrong here. I I may I may I, look you I've. I've said this is the corruption here, the, that, that administration, I said on 
on Inauguration Day 2017. This is going to be the most corrupt administration in the history of the country. Uh, I said that they're going to do things that we will will never be able to fully gather our, our senses around. The criming will be amazing. It will be historic. It will be something generations will, will look back on and go, how did you let that happen? And I'm looking at this going, I was I was not wrong there. Where I where I, I may I may be wrong is the evidence, oh my gosh, mounting in big ways. Now will we hold someone accountable? I'm I'm kind of maybe possibly you know backing up on the never. I'm not saying yes, but I'm saying possibly. So I didn't say I was wrong. I'm saying I'm possibly might maybe going to be wrong and we might hold someone accountable. And that's a huge win. And I said from the beginning, I want to be wrong on this. So this is a positive. But here's the thing. I'm looking at at, at, at the, the, the 45 administration, most corrupt ever, uh, more corrupt than Watergate. And and you know, look, the, the Republican sequel to subverting democracy uh, much more explosive than Watergate. Much more, much, much more dangerous. You remember all during the, the 45 years, all during Cult 45's time in office, we kept hearing about how he was going to drain the swamp? Remember that? I, I, I talked about it all during his tenure. And I kept saying, yeah, maybe they are draining the swamp. Because it needs it. Absolutely. But they're, they're draining the swamp and they're filling it with much uglier, much, much meaner, much nastier, much more hateful to democracy monsters. And guess what? Yeah, look, look at what you are seeing before you in this hearing. Listen to the things that these people are saying. And again, again, I come back to these are the very best people. These are all of the inner circle of the Trump world. These are all of the conservative intelligentsia. These are all the dyed-in-the-wool, die-hard GOP operatives. These are the faithful. Uh, these are the people who have brought us all of the bad policy, all of the horrible things that Republicans have been fighting for. This is them. And this is them saying um, they broke the law. I mean, the, the Hirschman, that attorney, you know he's a giant. Fill in the blank. And had some great lines, had some really great lines. And honest with them. But you know, if there was a way forward to subvert democracy, and, to, and he, would have, he would have been on board. There wasn't. And I think Benny Thompson laid it out. Trump lost. Trump knew he lost. Everyone around him told him he lost. Everyone around him knew he lost. Everyone around him repeatedly told him he lost. He didn't care. He was going to hold on to power and use every, every possible lever. And if that means destroying the DOJ to do it, if that means uh, using the attorney general to do that, he was going to do it. And um, here we are. The smoking gun, as they're now saying. Uh, evidently, my congressman, Scott Perry, at the center of it. And I've never been a Scott Perry fan by any stretch of the imagination, but Scott Perry was behind the whole push to get Jeffrey Clark, who is now being... No wonder Jeffrey Clark pled the fifth you know, 
throughout his entire testimony because he's going to he's the smoking gun. The testimony we heard today was of a climber, of a guy nobody liked or nobody thought had any intelligence whatsoever, but willing to do anything that Donald Trump, a lackey, uh, a, a wannabe, uh, somebody just smart enough to get himself into a whole bunch of trouble. And oh, guess what? In a whole bunch of trouble, because guess what happened today? Guess what happened at pre-dawn this morning? That's right. Federal investigators uh, knocked on Jeffrey Clark's door and uh, and took a bunch of his stuff uh, because they showed up with with warrants and uh, they they began collecting things. Because here's the thing. After today's hearing, uh, after the January 6th, you know what was going to be happening at the Clark home if they didn't go and gather whatever's left. And, And look, if Clark was a good attorney, if he was smart, if he was at least half smart, he would have burnt everything already. That would have happened a while ago. But you know, today they went to find if there are any electronic devices that still may have some of those texts, uh, some other stuff on there to, well, to basically prosecute him with. I think he is the one who's, uh, he's in trouble. He's in trouble big. Yeah. Uh, now, good thing, good thing. Um, Liz Cheney must have been listening to the program last night. Because she she spoke music to my ears. Uh, after today, they're going to be going after and looking at where the funding came from. Uh, who funded all this? Who was behind it? Where the money is? That is a huge thing. Uh, she also sp- spoke to MAGA World. Uh, she said, look, you know, it can be difficult to accept that Trump abused your trust. It can be tough. Uh, many will invent excuses to ignore the facts, she said. But that is the fact. I wish it weren't true, but it is. And and that's the reality. And I've had a lot of my MAGA friends go, well, you know, every other justification. No, no. Broke the law. And if you were one of the people screaming, drain the swamp. If you had the drain the swamp sign, the swamp is deep. The swamp has ugly monsters in it. Jeffrey Clark, Donald Trump, they're in it. Uh, now, Adam Kinzinger on Trump said uh, he was willing to sacrifice our republic to prolong his presidency. I can imagine no more dishonorable act by a president. I'm sure we're going to get to a lot more dishonorable acts that are coming. Uh, because here's the thing. I'm sure as we speak, I'm sure as we're, we're having this little, this little back and forth, uh, Brutus is, is twisting the blade into, into Caesar's back as we speak. Uh, I guarantee Jeffrey Clark is singing right now. I wouldn't even doubt if Scott Perry uh, is singing. Didn't get his pardon. Uh, he should be worried. I wouldn't doubt he's singing. And like I said, I, I know there was, I know I said there was no way that Trump would be charged. But looking at what came out today, looking what came out on Tuesday, oh my gosh. I <laughs> given everything that's been presented, there have to be charges. There have to be people going to jail. There has to be accountability. There has to be a series of perp walks. This is, and as we said at the beginning of these hearings, uh, are these hearings for the American people? Are these p- hearings for purely partisan uh, politics? Are they for uh, the silent majority of people who who don't weigh in on polling or anything? Or is it for the audience of one, Merrick Garland, to get him to do his job, to, to push him further and to make him 
again, we'll find out the answer to those questions as it goes on. But here's the thing. Given everything that we've seen, given all of the all of the evidence that's come out thus far, how, I don't know how we can move forward as a country without there being some form of criminal charges, without somebody being held to account. Because we have all this criming, all of this, all of this happening. And then to just go, well, we're going to get a mulligan. Uh, no, that's not how this, this that's not how this should work. Uh, now, the weird thing is what we're seeing is, is orange privilege. Uh, and I say that because you know, Trump really and the Trump sphere. They all during his time in office were criming the entire time. And getting away with it in full view of the public. You know, the perfect phone call, uh, all of the stuff that went on with, with Russia. You know, all of that stuff was right out in full. And the reason a lot of people, oh, it's all a hoax, is because they were doing it right out in public. And I, I had a friend years ago who was, uh, it was he was a thief. That was, his, that was his job. He wasn't very good at it. He got caught a lot. But um, it, it was his, you know, what he did for a couple of years. And he said, you know, the, you know, the, the best thieves are the ones who you don't you don't know are, are are stealing. They act like they own the place. They walk in, they take things, they they actually make other people carry things out for them. That's how in control of a situation they are. And this is the kind of thing that Trump is masterful at. He normalizes the criming to where no no what you think is a crime is only a crime for those people, those little people. We, we, with orange privilege, we, we can get away with this and never be held accountable. This is going to be an interesting moment. Going to be an interesting moment to see if there is going to be uh, any, any accountability. Now, like I said, I think Jeffrey Clark is singing like, like, a, like a bird. Uh, I think the 125 times plus that he pled the fifth uh, during his, uh, his time speaking to the committee, going to be interesting. If he goes back on some of those and starts starts filling in the details, which is why they're taking a pause from future hearings to go, OK, bombshells. Let's see where the let's see where things fall out. Interesting testimony. Nobody likes Jeffrey Clark. <laughs> nobody. And, you know, I can I can see that, you know, nobody's going to like the guy who's who's kind of the rat, who's kind of the backstabber, who's kind of the I'll do anything. Yeah, I'll fire everybody. I'll do whatever you want. You know, just put me in. Put me in charge. Uh, I, I I liked with one of the with one of the witnesses, uh, Richard Donahue said uh, that he wasn't competent enough to run the Justice Department. Clearly not competent enough. Uh, Hirschman, I think, said that uh, you know he was he uh, something. He was an environmental lawyer and he, he knew nothing about elections. Uh, but the only thing he, he he knew it was something that they both began with E and he's not even sure that he knows that. And the other line was, you know, go back to your office and we'll call you when there's a, when there's an oil spill. Uh, I mean, just, it, it was, it was a bombshell day and I'd love to hear your thoughts. one 416 rick one 416 7425 Is this a big deal in your world? Was, was this a moment where you go, uh, again, so much more information. Italian satellites we found out about. Italian satellites. Uh, the number of Republicans who sought pardons. Um, my congressman was the one who had been outed early, Scott Perry. 
uh, begging for a pardon because he knew he was criming. But we now know what Andy Biggs, uh, Mo Brooks, who's probably going to be singing very soon since he's not going to have a job. And, well, he's been heavily implicated here. Matt Gates, who's always begging for a pardon. Uh, Louis Go-Go Gomert. And, and I guess Marjorie Trainwreck Green, she's asked for one, too. Wow. Now, here's the other thing. They're all denying it because, of course. But think about if if they if they had the audacity to ask for a pardon in a moment when they were dealing with the president, knowing what they were asking the president, they were telling the president they were willing to do. If they they had the foresight to think that 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 needed a pardon because that was criming. Do you think they were going to tell the truth? Do you think the answer? No. Uh, but I got I got lots to get to on this. I want to get your thoughts. one 416 rick one 416 7425 Going to take a quick break. Right back with your call. Stick around. You listen to The Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. fan of the show you've heard our labor history in two segments and you can hear them on the radio pretty much anywhere in the u.s labor history has never been more important than it is right now so here's what we'd like you to do tell a teacher tell a teacher that labor history is important and that they can get digestible two-minute lessons that are absolutely free free to download free to use free to share tell a teacher to go to thericksmithshow.com backslash history and help us put labor back where it belongs, in the classroom. You know, generations of American workers fought, bled, and died to build the American way of life. It's our job to keep their stories alive. Go tell a teacher that we're here to help them do just that. Find us at thericksmithshow.com backslash history today. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. 1-866-416-RICK. 1-866-416-7425. Did you watch the big hearing today? Uh, was it as big of a deal as you as, as I think today was? Today, really, really, uh, even, even bigger than Tuesday, I, I think. Wow. I uh, got an email from Bonnie asking if Trump was trying... Charged with crimes, what would those crimes be? I go the first things, Bonnie. I would go with obstructing, obstruction, obstruct, obstruct. I'll get to it. I'm so, I'm so there. Obstruction of justice being one of them. Obstruction of justice and conspiracy to defraud. Um, you know, now that's the harder one I think to to to, to prove to get past. Um, the hurdle obviously going to be really high as it should be, and that should be a trial. Uh, for all of my friends, go, you know, well, you're going to have to write the call witnesses and, de- and all that. Absolutely. And that trial should be publicly televised in prime time. And every Trump witness should be under oath. Interesting watching all of the people, the best people, what they said at the Four Seasons landscaping co- press conference and what they said under oath. Very different worlds. Let's go to the phones. Got Alice on one. Alice, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I live in the dream. What's what's on your mind? Did you see the big uh, the big to do today? Yes, I did. And you know, I knew a lot of it, and I'm sure a lot of other people did. The part I missed though was the Italian satellites, 
and calling. Can you imagine what the man in Rome thought that received the phone call <laughs> about the? I was like, oh my god! I I was just you know. Yeah, yeah. There's an Italian defense contractor. He's uploading software to the satellite to switch votes to Biden because the Italians had so much invested in this. I know. I thought I can just just picture someone sitting there and looking over at someone else and getting off the phone and going, "You're not going to believe this one." Oh, I am. I'm surprised that you know. Anybody in the free world wanted any, wants anything to do with us after all that. Yeah, and look, my congressman, Scott Perry, texting Mark Meadows saying, why can't we just work with the Italian government? Um, you've got security clearance. <laughs> Freaking, I, know, well, I think I he, was, would... he was like a lieutenant general or something. This is a guy who was pretty high up in our military. This is somebody who's, uh, <laughs> deep oh, breath, breathe, would... breathe. <laughs> My husband and I just sat there and looking at each other, and we're going, you know, really? <laughs> I mean, how much cra- I'm going, you know, I know it can get crazier, but at this point, I think the best thing to do would just bring in a whole bunch of straight jackets and just take, oh, you know, about 75% of the Republicans off to uh, get mo, yeah. you know, claim they're domestic. Well, they are domestic terrorists, but... You know, haul them off there and uh, give them some electroshock therapy because they need it. Ouch. Uh, thanks, Alice. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. You have a good evening. You too. I appreciate it. Uh, the other thing that that grabbed my attention, and it was it was a passing thing I, at the very beginning, that uh, Bill Barr was giving his testimony. Now, Barr's testimony, I would like to see these. This is one of those things where you know, I'm kind of... I don't have all the hours in the world, but I would love to watch some of the, the testimony of a couple of these people from front to, from start to finish, Barr's being one of them. Uh, now, Barr was saying that, you know, he had done what, what attorney generals did, haven't done in the past. They got pre, pre, pre-actively, let's get, let's get to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so, this today was such a big deal. Uh, I think that that this could be that that changer in this in this country that maybe we start going no we we've got a problem, Houston there's a problem. Uh, but Barr got proactively involved in this from the beginning to look into the claims of, of voter fraud. And look, I'm not going to give you know Barr credit for being a, a hero or, or anything like that. Uh, I think he was saving his own skin. I think this was all about self-preservation. I think it was all about his own behind. But he was at least smart enough to know we better figure out what it is they're scheming to protect ourselves. This is all about self-preservation. So he got involved. They, they checked all of the claims of voter fraud, of, of all of the things that Trump were, was claiming to him that he needed to look at. And they found nothing. It was all baseless. Whereas in the past, you know, attorneys generals would have just let it off to the future the way they would have litigated it down the road what he said had that happened he believes had had that been the the position that he would have taken uh, his quote was i sort of shudder to think what the situation would have been if the position of the department was we're not even going to look into this until biden's uh after uh, after biden's in office and and he goes on to say that, frankly, I think the fact is I put myself in a position that I could say we looked into everything 
and uh, we didn't think that there was fraud. It was really important. He then says, if we didn't do this, I don't think there would have been a transition. Stop and just let that let that let that sink in for a second. The former attorney general is saying, I'm not sure we would have had a transition at all. Now, I argue you know, there was no actual transition of power. Biden came in. He had to pick up from, you know, on day one from square one. Th- that happened. What he's saying is Trump would have never relinquished power. This would have been a, a constitutional crisis. This would have been a military crisis in his view. This is what he's saying. Uh, this is a this is a big deal. And the question then becomes, as a country, because I've, I've, you know, I've thought this through a couple of times, where do we fall in this? You know, had, had our institutions not held barely, had Mike Pence left the, the parking garage, had they gotten away with one sliver of this to where on, on January 21st, Trump is not leaving the office. What happens? Does the military have to step in? Do we now have a military coup? And which side do you think they fall on? And why do you think the attack on Mark Milley was so important? Why do you think the discrediting of those generals were, was, was, was going on at the time? Understand, these, these people... And it's going to get, trust me, it's going to get deeper. There's going to be more to this story. The swamp, deep. The monsters, ugly. The, none of these people are heroes. These people are saving their skin. Because they know what they were doing was wrong. They knew they were, what they were encountering was, was horribly wrong. In fact, they talked about it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They talked about that, how much criming this was, and there were people who didn't care. Trump being at the heart of don't care. Incredible stuff. Just just fascinating. Love to hear your thoughts. You can email me, Rick at the Rick Also, if you miss any of our program, make sure you download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Stitcher to iTunes, Podbean, anywhere in between. Get the podcast. Share, subscribe, like, comment, all of that. Gonna take a quick break right back after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Rick Smith Show. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1947. That was the day the despised Taft-Hartley Act became law. It was a direct retaliatory response to the 1946 post-war strike wave where millions walked off the job after waiting years for basic demands. The labor movement mobilized against the slave labor bill through numerous rallies. The AFL joined the CIO in threatening 24-hour strike 
strikes across whole industries in protest as the bill wound its way through Congress. 11,000 soft coal miners in Pennsylvania walked out in a spontaneous protest strike earlier in the month. The bill passed over the veto of President Harry S. Truman, who would invoke it a dozen times over the course of his presidency. Many union leaders hailed Truman as a friend of labor for his 11th hour veto. Labor Party advocates were incensed that of the 219 congressional Democrats, 126 voted in favor of the bill. Practically overnight, the labor movement had been pushed back 25 years. Taft-Hartley was nothing short of disastrous for the American labor movement. With the stroke of a pen, the act criminalized many of the actions key to historic union victories in the 30s and 40s. Jurisdictional strikes, secondary boycotts, solidarity strikes, closed shops, and mass picketing were just a few of the most basic trade union activities now outlawed. The act helped fire the first shots of the McCarthy Red Scare by mandating that union officers file non-communist affidavits with the government, which was later found to be unconstitutional. The act also provided the ammunition needed to strangle strikes by empowering the president to easily acquire strike-breaking injunctions. And it allowed for the rapid growth of right-to-work laws at the state level. And because of Taft-Hartley, the union movement has suffered ever since. Right before our eyes, an invaluable American species is fast disappearing from view. Cartoonus Americanus. These are newspaper cartoonists who've long delighted readers and infuriated power elites. And there's nothing natural about their sudden decline. It's not the result of a dwindling talent pool and certainly not due to a lack of political targets. Rather, what's happening is that their media habitat is being intentionally destroyed. Around the start of the 20th century, some 2,000 newspapers featured their own full-time cartoonists. But in just the last decade, those healthy media environments have shriveled. So now, only a couple of dozen newspapers have these vibrant artistic journalists on staff. One major reason is that most U.S. papers have been gobbled up by profiteering hedge funds that have merged, purged, and plundered these essential local sources of news and democratic discourse. The overriding interest of these Wall Street owners is to cash out a paper's financial assets and haul off the booty to boost their personal wealth. Journalism and democracy be damned. Thus, they view cartoonists as a paycheck that can be easily diverted into their corporate pockets, dismissing the fact that enjoying good local cartoonists ranks as one of the top reasons people give for buying the paper. Note that this mass extermination is not old-school media censorship, but sleight-of-hand money censorship by the new monopolistic order of newspapering. Political cartoonists are still free to express any opinion they want, but the Wall Street system locks them out of their primary marketplace. Censorship is ugly, but eliminating paychecks? Well, that's just business. This is Jim Hightower saying, Yet, these freewheeling spirits of the cartooning craft are inventing new ways to connect with America's strong demand for their fun and important work. To connect with them, go to editorialcartoonist.com. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So, you know, again, I'm uh, I'm looking at the list. The list of the crimers who sought preemptive pardons. 
And you go, you know, you, you generally don't ask for things like, hey, can you pardon me in advance? Uh, you know, you know, thou shall not ask for pardons uh, unless you have create you have committed a crime. I, I think that's kind of simple. No. Uh, anyway, uh, we find out that Marjorie Trainwreck Green was one of them. Um, uh, Mo Brooks, Matt Gates, Louis Gogo Gomert, Andy Biggs, and we we knew about my congressman Scott Perry. Uh, Matt Gates, I could take Matt Gates off this list because he's always asking for pardons for all of the other crimes. So I don't know how influential he was in January 6th because I don't think anyone takes him seriously. I think he's just got a whole line of other things probably he's begging for pardons on. So in this, maybe I'm going to give him just a little, I don't know, maybe a little pass because he's yeah in so much other trouble. But the rest of them... I think we should call them in for uh, to, to, under oath and ask why. Uh, anyway, here to share some thoughts on the big hearing was today the big deal that I think it was. Was it was it the BFD that I'm I'm thinking it was? Uh, so I've asked my good friend Sarah Burris to come share some thoughts with us. Sarah's a fantastic reporter over at Raw Story, rawstory.com, the website. If you want to check out her incredible work, Sarah, thanks for taking time for us. Hey, happy Thursday. So let's uh, let's start with the pardons. Uh, would you be seeking a pardon unless you thought, hey, you know what I'm doing might not might not be above boards? So I feel like we kind of had this conversation once before about Scott Perry, where it's like, remember whenever Sheriff Joe Arpaio was really mad that he got pardoned, and that meant that because you're pardoned, you have to admit that you're guilty of something. And so he took it to court and he was like, but I don't want to admit my guilt. And then finally the court was just like, bro, bro, you got to admit your guilt. I mean, we're not here to try and relitigate your case. Um, we're just here to give you a pardon and accept it. Don't accept it. It's entirely up to you. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the court um, explaining to everybody, hey, to accept accept a pardon, you have to also admit that you have committed a crime. And in the case of Matt Gates, my favorite quote from um, Hirschman was that Matt Gates asked for the pardon from like the beginning of time. <laughs> like that was his, his barometer for like when he wanted the, the um, things that he crimed. Yeah, uh, can I have, can I have a pardon from birth, please? And at that point, you're just like, dude, what did you do? <laughs> no, and this because is because I think you're right. I think I don't know that he necessarily was asking for a pardon for this specifically, but I'm wondering if this he just saw this as a really great opportunity to be like, uh, hey, can you give me a pardon? It just happens to be a, a much broader pardon. Can but you it's give my September? It's for January sixth. Can you give my family tree a pardon? <laughs> you know everyone before me and everyone after can we just have a blanket immunity from anything from all of the crimes i'm i've now committed or will commit or have ever committed because that's what it seems like with for him but for the rest of them i mean i look at the names on this list and if this is your gang of criminals <laughs> I... I mean that's unfortunate and the email that mo brooks sent out um, that he said was part of, of Matt Gates' request. Uh, it said something about um, that they wanted a blanket pardon for all of the Republicans who, you know, did this or that because of the socialist Democrats. And 
I'm just like, wow, you really want a blanket pardon for all Republicans? Do you not understand how bad that looks for you? Like, this is you as a party basically saying, yes, we crimed. We crimed like a mother and we will probably crime again. Yeah, but wasn't that was that Mo Brooks or was that was that Gates? So Mo Brooks sent it for said that in the email he said he was um, forwarding it on behalf of Matt Gates. Okay. Okay, so so it's the both of them actually. But you know, right. I look at Mo Brooks and, and Mo I'm sure Mo's singing. I mean I look at Jeffrey Clark and I, yeah. I I've predicted Jeffrey Clark right now is is singing like a like a prison you know what. I mean he's 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 telling every tale right now because it looks like it looks like Jeff Jeff's in big trouble. Definitely. And um, the thing that a lot of the, the legal nerds were talking about today that they think that the um, Jeff Clark stuff is about the January 6th stuff. And I don't think that it is. I think that the reason they raided his house is because of the, um, the fake electors scheme, because he was part of that whole idea. And so this, um, and that has been, we know that that's at the Justice Department. And they just handed out a whole bunch of subpoenas yesterday of Republicans um, who were fake electors. So I wonder if that's actually part of that team, and they haven't even touched on the other stuff yet. Wow. Let me ask um, a dumb question. How bad of a lawyer is Jeffrey Clark if he still has anything <laughs> to do with any of that stuff? I mean, because, look, I'm not, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. Uh, you know, I'm just a dumb truck driver. But here's the thing. If I had criminal stuff laying around, you know, emails, if I had, you know, electronic devices with photographs and recordings of me criming, I would get rid of them long ago. Now, I know that's a crime, too, and I would be admitting to that, but I haven't done any criming. But if, if let's just say, I'm one of the, the treasonous folks who are trying to overthrow our government, I think all of the stuff that I recorded for, for future generations to praise me over, now that I've been caught, I think I would get rid of. Yeah, so it's only a crime if you have already been subpoenaed. So if he had been subpoenaed and then he talked stuff, then it's a crime. Um, my assumption is maybe he was keeping a whole bunch of stuff um, to write a book, you know, like yeah. a, a letter. His wife's a scrapbooker. Yeah, right. There, there exactly. Uh, he wanted to, put you want to document your treason. Some, yeah, like do some stickers and some punch outs and glitter pins. And um, <laughs> hey, I know the, I know the scrapbooking world. I don't participate, but I know it. Um, and, and so I think that's what, um, you know, that maybe that's what Jeff Clark was doing. Um, if he, I also wonder if he was, if the DOJ was bringing him in because they were like, oh crap, they're about to, you know, trash Jeff Clark on the Hill today. Maybe we should grab him before he has a chance to, you know, delete all of his stuff. That could be a possibility, but I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't think that the DOJ has even started on on getting to the, the, the Trump piece of this, the White House piece of this yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they can't at this moment with everything that's come out. I don't know. You know, I said at the beginning, I originally I said there's no way we're going to hold Trump or any of the higher ups accountable. They're all they're all going to skate on this because it's what we do in this country. Uh, I, I've now kind of stepped back a little bit going all the stuff that we're seeing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how we can't in this moment not hold someone accountable. I, I just because because it'll just make it it will guarantee that this happens again. 
Absolutely. And I would say, too, one of the things that I saw today was former Attorney General Eric Holder. Um, Holder is not the most progressive guy, you know, that we've had in, in, a, white, in a White House position in an agency. Um, he's pretty moderate. And he was furious today and was like straight up saying we need to indict Donald Trump yeah. um, and was making the case online. And I was just like, you don't see former attorney generals, you know, basically dictating this is what the DOJ should do on the internet or publicly at all. And so the fact that he did that as somebody who's pretty conservative, um, I was shocked by that. And I think that, but I think that's a really big tell for, you know, that's going to happen. Something that has to happen. happen. Because here's the thing. Um, it, it then becomes political malpractice in the future if you don't do these things. I'm going to run for office at some point in the future, and I'm going to blame Italian satellites if I lose. It's no longer It's no longer people didn't want to vote for me. It's I won by millions of votes, and it was Italian satellites. And it was, it was, it was everything other than... Than what it was, and this is this is why this is so important, and why I focus so much attention on this, and I think why the committee has focused so much attention on it. Yeah, because this is some of the scariest things that have ever happened in our country. The way that um, Adam Kinzinger talked about it is, you have guardrails for democracy, but whenever you're driving down the highway and you see dents in the guardrails, it's that's kind of what happened here. I don't know about you, but I've seen like broken guardrails and, you know, people flying through them. So, I mean, I, I got my perspective. <laughs> yeah, this is a fiery dumpster going over the edge. I mean, this is, yeah. this is bad. Uh, you're listening to the Rick Smith show. We're here with Sarah Burris. Sarah's a reporter at raw story, rawstory.com, the website. If you got a question, comment, something you want to ask Sarah, give us a call. 1-866-416-RICK. 1-866-416-7425. The other thing that I, I, I came away from this with, the more I'm watching the presentation of these hearings, the more I now want to see more. I, I, you know, this mm-hmm. is this has been like it's, for me, it's been almost like what must must see TV. There are a couple of a couple of the the interviews, uh, Hirschman, for instance. I want to see the entire the entire yeah. interview with Hirschman. I want to see the entire Bill Barr interview. Uh, there are a bunch of these. I think we need access to, and I think that should happen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I agree. I think that would be a brilliant thing for, um, you know, for the committee to start uploading stuff like that on their YouTube channel after all of the hearings are over. Um, I know for certain there are at least two more hearings that will be in July, and Benny Thompson today said that they will, um, the first one will be on um, radical domestic terrorism. So, you know, all of these people who uh, have been linked to different militia groups and whatnot. And then his second comment was, um, his second hearing, he said it was 187 minutes. So is that the 187 minutes that Trump didn't act? Or is it like, is that the entirety of the 
of the attack, or I'm not sure what the 187 minutes was, what that reference was to. No, the, um, uh, now, Liz Cheney did say something that was music to my ears, that they're going to go after and look into who funded all of this stuff. And yes. it's something from the beginning, from, from well, from January 6th uh, until, you know, just a couple minutes ago, I've been saying, I want to know who funded this. Uh, granted, you know, I don't care that much about who defecated on the floor or urinated on Nancy Pelosi's desk or broke windows. We'll, we'll get to them. I want to know the people who are in the background. I want to know the people who are funding all of these characters. I want to know the people who are beholden. Uh, are these congressmen who are begging for pardons who they're beholden to? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the major things that um, some of the members have been talking about is this hotline that they have. And so ever since they started doing these hearings, they've been getting like more and more and more information. So you wonder, like, are our, our folks watching this hearing go down and now they're starting to come forward about more of that stuff? You know, are there folks who know some of the funders who are like, yeah, I know this guy or I got money from this party or, you know, whatever. Um, I wonder if some of those folks are starting to think uh, what uh, Jamie Raskin and Adam Schiff both said is that that, that, um, that call-in line is basically ringing off the hook and that they have got tons more information than they knew before. Well, because right right now you're seeing a pivot. I, I think we're seeing the pivot away from Trump. I think they're ready to throw him under the bus. I, I don't think he's well-liked by, by Republicans. I think that came out in 15 and 16. Uh, it's just that he had the power of all of the minions who have followed along, the cult behind him. But as the cult wakes up to the reality that they've been duped, uh, that they bought the flag and the hat and they they, they bought into the, to the message and that... You know, it's not what they, they bought into. Um, I think there will be a there. There's, there's clearly happening right now a pivot uh, to throw Trump under the bus. I think, too, a big part of it is you're starting to see Republicans who are running for office have made it through their primaries. So if they beat a Trump funded um, or Trump endorsed candidate who ran against them, they now have to kind of pivot in the general election to look more mainstream. So people like uh, what's his name in Nebraska who came out yesterday against Trump and decided, oh, I'm, I'm done with him now. That's one of the most Democratic districts, uh, Democratic areas in all of Nebraska. That district went for Obama twice. It went for Biden in 2020. So, you know, he's and they had the, the um, primary election on the May 10th. So the guy's got to pivot now to a general election. Um, so I think there are a lot of of Republicans who are just, I don't know, it's an opportune moment for them. They're yeah. just looking at this and thinking, oh, I need this politically. So the um, question I have for I, you now, are you looking at these hearings? Is this about is this about saving the Republican Party? Because it, it really this really has been all about going after Trump and his inner circle. And a lot of these conservatives, you know, like, like Rusty Bowers was able, who I think, you know, Polit- politically is a horrible guy. I mean, has pushed horrible policies as all of these these people, all of these people have brought bad policies and done horrible things to our country over the years. But in this moment, they stood firm on at least the principle that we should have free elections and when they, you should follow the rule of law at least a little bit. Um, is this about saving the Republican Party and just, you know, just dealing with Trump, do you think? I got to say, I think the Republican Party is too far gone at this point. I think they have hugged Trump for too long and too closely over too many different things 
that I don't know how they bail themselves out of this. You know, they've been defending him over January 6th, attacking this committee, calling it, you know, partisan hackery. Um, and the rest of the country has been watching it and thinks that it's important. And now they agree that Donald Trump should be indicted. So I, I really don't think the Republican Party has anywhere to go here. Um, and if, if somebody like Rusty Bowers is, is willing to say, you know, after they went after his, his family, they're calling him a pedophile in front of um, his entire neighborhood. And he's like, yeah, I'd vote for him again. And I think that does a disservice to the Republican Party. If you're willing to say, you know, oh, I'm fine with everything else, um, that's, there's something wrong with you there. Yeah. There needs to be a line. And if that's not your line, if, if defending this democracy is not your line, then there's something wrong with you. No, no. I mean, look, I've been saying this about, about the Republicans for a very long time. I mean, look at Ted Cruz. You know, you, you know he went, Trump went after his wife and, you know, look, you know, that happens to me. We got problems and I'm never mm-hmm. going to turn around and be your, your staunch defender like Ted Cruz is. And now we find out because of the hearing today, there probably is one Republican hated more than Ted Cruz. And that's, that's Jeffrey Clark. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I've never in my life seen so many people crap on a guy before. I mean, this dude has no hope for a legal career in the future. Like if he manages to make it through with immunity by selling Trump down the river, um, then he's got to come up with something else to do. Like he needs to apply at Starbucks or something. Cause he's, there's no way that he's, you know, maybe the heritage foundation. Um, but that's really all he's got at this point. There's no way that this dude's going to be a lawyer anywhere in the future. I'll be surprised, honestly, if he doesn't get disbarred. They should all be just all of these lawyers, Sidney Powell, yeah. Rudy Giuliani, Eastman, mm-hmm. all of them, all down the list, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. I agree. So last question I've got for you in looking at this, anything, you know, clearly you're someone who pays attention to this, the reporting you do at Raw Story, vital, important, good stuff. Anything shocking, anything surprising, anything make you go, oh, my God, this is this is huge. This uh, for me, the revelation of Billy Barr going that, you know, had he not done the preemptive investigation in the the voter fraud claims that there may not have been a transition was kind of like, a, oh, wow, that that's a pretty big statement. Uh, anything for you? That was definitely a good point. I think um, I was not surprised by that simply because of what Mike Pompeo said in that, that one weird press conference where he was like, there's going to be a a smooth transition to a second term. Um, when you hear something like that from the Secretary of State, it's like, oh, there's something messed up going on here. So I wasn't entirely surprised to hear that from Barr. What I continue to be the most surprised by is that people are putting their criming in writing. <laughs> I'm just like, you people have got to stop. Like, that is the one rule that Donald Trump always was taught. Yep. And it's the reason he doesn't email, he doesn't text message. There's a whole thing that he doesn't do because he wants to protect himself. But these people, everybody around him is writing everything down. Well, understand. Understand what their mindset is. They all believe yep. they're the next founders. They all believe mm-hmm. history is going to remember them as great men, as great people. They wanted this for... For the future, they were going to be the Patriots. They've sold themselves on this. And look, I know tons, I know tons of people who, who have that mindset that, you know, when they were going to January 6th, they were taking videos of themselves. Hey, look at me. I'm here because we're Patriots. We're taking the country back and in the process recording their treason. 
Yeah, I wish I had that inflated sense of self and ego. Yeah. Man, that would make my life so much more entertaining. Just be like, yeah, I'm awesome. I don't need to go to the gym. But, you know. There you go. But it's one of the reasons we love you is you don't. And I appreciate the time you take for us and the incredible work you do. Please check out her work at rawstory.com. Sarah, always great having you. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Our good friend Sarah Burris. Again, make sure you check out her work at rawstory.com. She does incredible stuff. Going to take a quick break back after this. Remember, if you miss any of the program, podcast. Get that wherever you get your favorite podcast, or just go to the ricksmithshow.com. Also, remember, you can email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Share your thoughts, your questions, your comments. Also, give us a call, 1 866 416 Rick, 1 866 416 7425. You surprised at the criming? Not so much. Back after this. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1947. That was the day that many labor historians mark as the beginning of a long decline of the U.S. labor movement. The United States Congress passed the Taft-Hartley Act. The bill was named after Republican Senator Robert A. Taft from Ohio. The son of President William Howard Taft, the senator had been a staunch opponent of President Roosevelt's New Deal policies. He continued his anti-working class efforts with a new bill aimed to curb the power of unions. He found an ally in Representative Fred Hartley, a Republican congressman from New Jersey. After World War II, a wave of strikes washed over the nation. Most labor unions had agreed not to go on strike during the war. But frustrations over wages and working conditions mounted. In the years after the conflict ended, five million workers walked the picket lines. One in four private sector workers was a union member. Labor was on the march. The Congressional Republicans passed the Taft-Hartley Act in response. The bill ushered in limits on the right to strike. It also began the era of so-called right to work, allowing states to pass laws, making it more difficult for unions to collect dues and represent workers. The new law also required union leaders to sign affidavits that they were not communists, bringing the Red Scare to the House of Labor. A massive rally at Madison Square Garden in New York City asked President Truman to veto the slave labor bill. President Truman did veto the bill, but Congress overrode his veto. Today, only 12% of workers are in unions. 26 states are so-called right-to-work states, to the great detriment of workers' living standards and their health and safety. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. Smith Show, where working people come to talk. So no uh, no decision on Roe yet. Uh, I'm sure that's coming in the coming days. But the Supreme Court did decide on, uh, on death row inmates being able to decide if, well, they want to get shot instead of uh, lethal, lethal injection. In fact, uh, it is a, a case of a death row inmate in Georgia who challenged their the state's lethal injection protocol. Uh, he wants to die by firing squad. Now, you know, this what they're saying is, is it's going to make it easier for inmates to challenge uh, their their execution method. And I'm like, OK, you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm actually not entirely opposed to this. I know that, you know, some people, oh, this is terrible. I'm, I'm against the death penalty, just so you know, right from the start. I think it's uh, it's something that that, you know, we should not be be doing. Um, 
I'm against state-sponsored murder. Uh, I, I vigilante justice. I can understand. Go to court, do that thing. If someone touches my kids, I, your kids, I get it. Uh, but state-sponsored murder, I got a problem with because it's unequal, and we can get into a whole argument about that. But this, if you wanted to die by firing squad or lethal injection, I, I guess you could have some say in that, some empowerment. Does that also mean that I could choose to die by natural causes? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a method. Uh, is this where we're going with this? Uh, I assume not. Now, me personally, I think uh, spending a lifetime in, in a cage is much more cruel and unusual than putting someone to sleep. But uh, that's what our that's what our Supreme Court decided. Uh, also, our Supreme Court decided on, again, I love the fact that on one hand, they talk about states' rights. On another hand, they say, no, New York, you can't have a, 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 a rule that makes people get permits for carried concealed weapons. Uh, I love that kind of thing. Now, the weird thing is, is, you know, polling wise, uh, the American people, they want stronger gun laws. Uh, a new Gallup poll finds 66 percent of Americans want laws covering the sale of firearms to be stricter. 14 uh, percent from October. Uh, I think sane, rational people want there to be some guardrails in place. Uh, our Supreme Court seems to be going in the complete opposite direction and what's weird is you go back to the the, the Wyatt Earp days, the, the Wild West days, where sheriffs wouldn't allow people to have guns in their towns. But that was okay then. <laughs> uh, I guess we can just rewrite that history. Whatever we, whatever we so choose, I guess we can do it. But our Supreme Court uh, shot down New York's uh, system of issuing concealed permits. So New York going to probably be the Wild West. That wasn't. Love to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at thericksmithshow.com. Has our court gone too far? It's getting crazy. Also, if you miss any of the program, make sure you download the podcast. Never miss a moment. Never miss an episode. Subscribe, share, and like. Hi, I'm Mark Westwood. It's June 24th, 2022, and I want to wish you all a happy half Christmas and me a happy birthday and also happy 25th birthday to KCAA. 10.50 a.m. Loma Linda, 25 years old today. Hey, folks. AP News. I'm Ed Donahue. Calling it a sad day in America, President Biden is vowing to keep abortion legal.